0: if you have a bible this afternoon we're going to be in the book of acts chapter number 16 book of acts chapter 16 we've been going over on wednesday nights what it is to uh to believe and why we believe it uh the way that we do and, and the last couple of weeks has has been how to lead someone else to christ we're told to go out in the world to be a witness to try to reach the lost to try to be able to help the lost and a lot of times we we don't get a whole lot of guidance and why and, and so using the Bible tonight. And, and using God's word alone, uh, last Wednesday night we went through the Romans road. Uh, Paul explains it really, really well to the Romans. I uh, heard this past week, there aren't many problems in life that you can't solve with James. and Pretty much the same is true with the book of Romans, but it's all true with the Bible. Amen. So tonight we're going to go through a, a question that is asked here to, to Paul and Silas. and uh, Without using the Romans road and we're going to go through what it means to believe in Jesus and what are the steps immediately following it. Uh, because last week and the week before, we talked about how to lead others to Christ. Well, you can lead a horse to water, and if you pull on him hard enough, you still can't make him drink. But once someone believes in Jesus, once they get to that point on their own, once they believe on their own, once they believe for themselves, what's next? How many people get saved and never come back to church? How many have we fellowship How many have we baptized how many has joined the church by letter how many in the last 10 years have joined this church are still on the church roll and have not set in a pew in weeks or months how many is on the church roll and hasn't been here in years how many is here on sunday mornings and don't make it back on sunday nights wednesday nights it goes a whole lot further than than just being saved being a christian is, is so much more than being saved being saved is the being born part of it after that is the life it's it's the living it's it's growing, it's it's being a Christian, and to, to be a Christian, you can't just get saved and quit. You, you can't just be born and, and stop. Uh, so tonight, we're, we're kind of, look at what Paul told these people, and, and then we're going to answer the question that, that a lot of people ask, and all too many times it's not answered, and that is what is next. We had a Bible club meeting at school this morning. It was our first one, we got rained out last Wednesday because of the hurricane, and uh we we had nine kids show up for donuts so we had three dozen donuts and me and the nine kids ate all three dozen donuts they were delicious but in addition to to feeding the the physical person we attempted to feed the spiritual person and every opportunity that we get to share christ is an opportunity that god gives us and we should never neglect or negate that in any way but the the question that is asked is is, and i asked them i said are you saved And, and a lot of them said yes i said what's next what does God expect from us? What are we to do after we get saved? And once we lead someone to Christ, that is not the last that we should speak to them. That's not the last time that we should talk to them. That's not the last interaction we should have. That should be the beginning. That should be the start of what Timon and Pumbaa say. Timon said, This is the beginning of a beautiful acquaintanceship. They weren't quite friends yet. So he said, This is the beginning of a beautiful acquaintanceship. This is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. It's the beginning of a relationship not only between that person and God, but between, uh, between you and that person, between us and that person, between uh, whoever led them to Christ, whoever showed an interest in him, whoever loved them. And, and, and It's the beginning of something different. It's the beginning of something new. Acts 16, verse 28. Acts 16, verse number 28. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm. For we are all here. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God after they was thrown in prison. And the doors shook. And the whole place trembled. And everything opened up. And the guards sprang in and he saw everything was open and he drew his sword. Figuring all the the prisoners had left and escaped and he was going to kill himself. And Paul said, do thyself no harm. For we are all here. If you turn me out of prison and for some reason I got locked up for something I may or may not have done, and for some reason I get locked up and that prison gate is open, gone. I may not be fast, but I can scoot whenever that gate's open and, and I see it open, I'm done, gone. I accidentally got roped into a, a couple of poorly timed conversations before, and you all understand what that means. You get roped into a conversation with a person. The first time you see an out, the first time your phone vibrates, the first time something blinks, you see a squirrel, you're gone. You get yourself out of that conversation because it's a tight spot to be in. Paul and Silas here found themselves in a tight spot. But whenever all the doors opened, they didn't go anywhere. They, they, they came to the man, and Paul said, Do thyself no harm. We are all still here. Verse 29, he called for a light, sprang in, and came trembling fell down before Paul and Silas. He saw something was different in this man. He saw something was was different about these two men here and he said, verse 30, he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas didn't try to witness to this man by talking to him. Paul and Silas didn't grab this man and say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. They showed him. I believe that man heard him, Paul and Silas, singing and praying at midnight. I believe that he noticed that there was something different about that man. And because of that, because of that attitude, it allowed that man to see that they had something that he didn't. That they had the Jesus. And and, and I believe that through their praying and through their singing, he heard about the man named Jesus. He heard about being saved. I believe that the Holy Spirit was working with him. Otherwise, how would he know that he needed to be saved? And he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? That next verse is, is absolutely beautiful. And whenever we're leading people to Christ, a lot of times we go straight to John 3.16 and we'll go straight to, to Romans in chapter 10. But here Paul gave him a simple answer. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I shall be saved. That is it. That is as far as it goes. That is as hard as it gets. Believe on Jesus, That's how be saved. That's what he told him. This man believed. They spake unto him the word of the Lord. And all that was in his house. he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, was baptized he and all his straightway. Not only was this man saved, this man allowed the word to be preached in his house and his whole household was saved. This man was half of the beginning of the church at Philippi. He was one half of it. And it all started right here. It all started with Paul showing his Christian belief, showing his Christian attitude, showing his Christian love. And then, what is next? What is next? What happens after we get saved? We understand that that after we get saved, that we are considered to be, according to the Bible, newborn babes. That we should desire the sincere milk of the Word. And tonight, we're going to look at three distinct things that a person should do immediately following getting saved. And we talked about this in Bible study this morning. I didn't get but about ten minutes with them, but... I tried to share this with them and and at school we have almost all of the denominations that I know of amongst those eight kids. Uh, We at least have the the most prominent from around here. In addition to that, we had every type of Bible that you could imagine was in there. I don't think any two people had the same type of Bible. But I tried to stress to them that that in the Bible club, we're not going to fuss over whose church is bigger. We're not going to fuss over who believes what. We're there for one reason, one reason only. We're there for God. We're there to glory and honor Him. We're there to be a witness for Him. We're there to show love to other people. We're there to try to tell other people about Jesus. That part we can all agree on. And that is what is important. And the step after being saved is, is, is what I tried to concentrate on this morning. And the first is, is to be a part of a church. You ever watch that Discovery Channel and you see them lions and they start chasing after them zebu or gazelle or, or whatever it is? I mean, they run them, run them and run them and run them and run them and all of a sudden, the herd goes this way and it's one little deer goes this way. What happens? That deer is gone. That deer is done for. Once it gets separated from the herd, it's over. The first thing that, that a person should move toward as a Christian is being baptized into the church of God. Well, let's go read it. Hebrews chapter number 10. If you turn over there, and we're, we're going to do a little flip-flopping tonight, so if you have your Bibles, if, if you'll hang on to them real tight, we won't run very far. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 24. Let us consider one another, talking about Christians, to provoke them to love and good works. How are we to do that if we're not in contact with one another? You know, it's extremely difficult to be alone. A There's a room in a laboratory up in Chicago, Minneapolis, Detroit, one of those big cities up there. Anyway, I was reading about it in a study that I was doing. There's a room up there that is the quietest place on earth. They have the acoustic foam all around. They have it hanging from the ceiling. It absorbs every little bit of sound from the outside world that there could possibly be. And sitting in that room, you can literally hear your organs working. You can hear the blood flowing through your body. You can hear your, your stomach and your bowels churning. You can hear your organs working. that is how quiet it is in that room. And they said, after about 10 minutes, people begin to hallucinate. They begin to see things, they begin to hear things. Their mind begins to play, play tricks on them. And after 15 minutes, a person can no longer stand that they are completely and totally shot, that, that nobody, no, no human mind that on average, that they could test was capable of standing more than 10 to 15 minutes in that room. And this is because people in nature crave noise. They crave action. They crave acquaintanceship. They crave friendship. They, they crave to be a part of something. You may see a lot of loners at school, but if you watch them very closely, they're they're part of something. It may not be something cool, but they're part of something. It may be an online game that they're a part of, but they're a part of something. People like to join a part of something, but it seems like it's a priority to join everything in this world except church. That we can stay away from. That we can put off until later. That we can just take our dear sweet time and worry about it some other day. Well, well, the Bible says that, that we ought to provoke one another unto love and to good works. In order to do that, we have to have some form of human contact. In order to do that, we also have to be in acquaintanceship or in friendship or in a congregation with other Bible-believing Christians. Because you're not going to get somebody out in this world that's going to provoke you into love and good works. It's very, 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 very rare. Someone who is not a Christian does not possess the love of Jesus, not saying that they cannot love. There are a lot of loving people out there that don't yet know Christ, and I wish that they would, but they don't yet know Him but it's a special kind of love whenever you do get to know Jesus. It's a special kind of love whenever he enters into your heart. And that's the love that we're to provoke one another toward. So it's to love those who can't love us, to love us, those who don't love us because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us while we were unlovable. And that's the love that we're supposed to show into this world. Verse number 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. A lot of people just jerked that verse right out of there. But that's not all. That's not where that verse ends. That's not where Paul, the, the writer of Hebrews here is. Is not where he stopped or she. We don't know who wrote it. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But it tells us what not to do, but it also tells us what we have to do, what we should do, what we are called to do as Christians. But exhorting, encouraging one another. So much more as you see the day approaching. Encouraging one another for what? Encouraging one another in the spirit. Encouraging one another in the word. Encouraging one another to be a better Christian. To be a stronger Christian, to be a faithful Christian, to be a loving Christian. Encouraging one another to live for Jesus. That is what is next. In order to do that, you have to join a Bible believing church. There are churches in our community within twenty miles of where we're standing right now that play church. Most of you have probably seen churches or been in churches. I've been in churches that play church. They get together. They have a good time. Every opportunity they get, they cancel church and go play volleyball or something. I'm not saying playing volleyball is bad. I'm saying putting it as uh, ahead of the word of God, putting it ahead of the dedicated service of God is. I'm not saying that having a jungle gym outside is bad. I'm saying that... Turning the kids loose out there so that they don't worry the adults is bad because the children need teaching too. Just like they teach them in the back back here. The kids need learning too. There are a lot of places that go through the motions and they never really truly worship God. And and it's sad to say, but there are churches that you really don't feel the spirit of God in. There are churches that don't, there are churches that don't believe the Bible. They take and choose and, and there's a, I don't know why, but there's a Calvinistic belief that's spread through this community, bless you, in the recent months, year or so, that the whole thing is hinged on 16 verses in the Bible. 16 verses they base their whole religion on, if you will. 16 verses out of the whole Bible. I don't know how many verses in this Bible, but it's more than 16. And if I base my eternity on 16 verses of the Bible, I'm missing a whole lot. I'm not a betting man. I'm not a gambling man. But a guy at school told me, he's been here to church before. He said, I play the odds. I don't bet or I don't gamble. But when it comes to to making decisions, he said, I think about it logically. And then I play the odds. The chances that you're going to be right believing I don't know, a million verses is better than your chances of being right only choosing 16 verses out of this. You can get a lot of things from the Bible if you jerk it out of context. If you pull out a half a verse. But you, that, that's not Bible. The Bible was put here in, in whole, not in part. The Word of God was sealed in whole, not in part. The Bible says that any man that would take away from the Word of God, that his name uh, that his name be taken out of the book of life. Any man would add to the, the plagues that are in this book will be added in the him. John said it's it's sealed, it's finished, it's done, it's over, it's complete. And yet people decide that that they only want to believe part of it, that they only want to believe the the good God. God is always good. But our good God also is, is a God of wrath. He's a God of punishment. He's a God of consequence for your action. But a celebration church don't believe that side of God. A celebration church only believes in the, the good and the happy Joel Oldstein God. The, the charismatic God who, 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 who will never hurt you, will never punish you. If you send, you know, our church a bunch of money, y'all will take care of you. God will bless you. Send us money. God will bless you. But not if you don't send money. Churches hinge their their beliefs and their their system on everything, but the Word of God. The first thing, the first step after salvation, is to join a Bible believing church. When I went to college at Ruston, there's a bunch of churches up there. Oh my goodness! So I went to a different church every Sunday morning for. It was through the first quarter, so it was definitely for twelve weeks, uh, and I never went to the same church twice trying to find a church that believed in the Bible. And most of the churches I went to were, were kind of small, uh, so I talked to the preacher afterwards, tell me what y'all believe. Uh, and some of them had a statement of faith that they put online, and I would Google them, and some of those I wouldn't even show up to. Uh, because you're not saved unless you're baptized by, in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, my Bible says that is wrong. It says that you're saved by believing in Jesus Christ. Those are the churches we don't go to. That's not a Bible-believing church. A Bible-believing church believes in thus saith the word of God, Genesis to Revelation, beginning to end, back to front, every verse in context. Translated to us, given to us by the Holy Spirit. That is what a Bible-believing church believes. And the first step as a Christian is to join up to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together so that we can exhort one another. So that we can encourage one another. So that we can... Consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. The second point, I guess if you want to say, to what's next after salvation, to to what follows being saved, is is to join a church, be baptized into that church. And the second goes right along with it. You can't have a Bible-believing church if you don't know what's in the Bible. The second is just as important as the first, is to get a Bible. And to study that Bible. There are people that believe in umpteen dozen different translations of the Bible. And there's a chart out there somewhere. A friend of mine sent me a picture of it. And it shows it has something to do with linear something. But it shows the Bibles in in King James Version. is right here. And then there's one other Bible that's over here. It's the, the Greek and Hebrew linear Bible that shows you every word in the Bible in both languages and then you can read them in that language and anyway, it's supposed to be better than the King James Version if you speak fluent Greek and Hebrew I don't, so I stick with the King James Version but here you have the King James Version and then you New American Standard and then you you go way on down the line your NIV is right here and and, uh, what's the other one Uh, the message the message is is right over there by Brother Steve's house It's, it's, it's way out there and there are people who believe in that message with all of their heart and it is a paraphrased Bible that don't talk about the wrath of God it don't talk about the damnation of the sinners it don't talk about hell it talks about trouble that if, if you don't believe in Jesus you're, you're in trouble it don't say you're going to hell it says you'll be in trouble like, like daddy's going to spank your hand no, you're going to burn in flames of fire forever for eternity. If you don't believe in Jesus, there's a very very big difference in that. And so the second step is is to get you a good Bible. Now, I I'm willing to I'm willing to wager that no two people in here have the same Bible. At least close. Family members probably may potentially do. But other than that, most people probably do not have the same Bible. But we probably all have the same version. We probably all have a King James Version Bible. If we don't, we need to evaluate which Bible we got. We have some pamphlets in the back if you want to take a look at those. Which Bible are you reading? But everybody has their own study Bible that they put out. I love a Thompson chain reference. Uh, I'm, I'm a, a, a Nelson, Th- Thomas Nelson. Yeah, Thomas Nelson puts it out. Uh, it's a chain reference Bible. I love it. I have a couple of Schofield. They have, my mom has an open Bible. Uh, they have a lot of different study Bibles that offer study materials that goes along with the Bible. And, and that comes right down to what we should do after we, we get saved. And we should get and read a true Bible. Whenever we say our pledge, we, we we pull it out of Proverbs in chapter number 3. The Bible says our word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And, and whenever we pledge here to the Bible with the kids before service, that's what we say. That, that God's word should be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And how are we to walk through this dark world without a lamp, without a light, without a Bible? And so whenever someone gets saved, and, and I, I give them out at Bible school, at Bible Club, we have Bibles back here on the shelf. We have Bibles in all the pews. Whenever someone gets saved, they need a Bible. I believe Miss Marietta gets, uh, gets her name put on her Bibles and gives everybody who joins the church a Bible. A good Bible. A King James Version Bible. A true Bible. But, but if I take my Bible and I take it home, good Bible, study Bible, I mean good Bible, but I don't ever open it, it's a great, wonderful, awesome paperweight. Whenever we're trying to help someone, whenever we're trying to encourage someone, that person that, that we may have have had a part in leading them to Christ, it shouldn't end there. We should encourage them to join a Bible-believing church. We should encourage them to get and to read and study the King James Version Bible. A God-inspired Bible. Flip over if you would. Most of you probably know it. You ain't got to flip over. whatever. I don't want to misquote it. So I'm going to go to 2 Timothy. I think it's chapter number 3. If I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Oh, here we go. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. All Scripture, that is the Bible, that is the Word, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That every man of God may live, excuse me, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We had a teacher who had a very difficult time at school today. And that particular teacher, uh, I told that particular teacher, have a good day. And that teacher looked at me and said, it ain't nothing a margarita won't fix. Struck out. All right. It ain't nothing that God can't fix. Jesus said, cast all your cares on me. He said, give it to me. The Bible says, cast your cares on him. Peter said, give it all to him. The Bible is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction. It will lead us, it will guide us, it will give us answers. And, and that's what me and a man was talking about this past week. If you have a problem, the book of James has the answer. But the reality is, the entire Bible has the answer. Whenever it comes to growing in Christ, you, you can't do that. You, you cannot mature in Christ, you cannot grow as a Christian. I dare say that you can't be a Christian if you don't read and study the Bible. It is, it is pertinent or impossible to be a Christian without reading and studying the Bible. How else are we to defend ourselves against the fiery darts of the devil? How else are we to defend the God in this world full of people who, who want to do nothing but disprove Him? Paul said to study to show yourself approved said to always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you for the witness that lies within you for the jesus christ that lies within you and the last place we're going to go the book of philippians tonight if i can get over there chapter number four verse number six the last thing as a christian that you need to get started what's next after salvation Is a healthy prayer life. And I'm not talking about the, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray thee, Lord, my soul to keep. That is an awesome prayer to teach a kid growing up. But once they get to the the, the, the point that they're convicted of their sin and they are saved, they need to pray to God. They need to pray to their Heavenly Father. They need to take their petitions to Him. Well, let's read it. Verse number six, Be careful for nothing, but in everything... By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be known to God. It said not only request, but it said with thanksgiving being thankful for what he's done for us. How else are we to show our love and appreciation toward God if we don't come to his house to worship him? If we don't read his word to defend him and if we don't pray, talk have a conversation with him. There's no other way. There's no way to, that, that we can grow as a Christian unless we follow what is next after salvation. The Bible says to follow in baptism just as Christ was baptized, to walk in newness of life. Newness of life comes with a transformation, the renewing of our mind, which comes from the word of God. If we get stuck, if, it, I, if we read our Bible without praying, we may miss something. We should pray to God that He help us study, that He allow us to study, that He allow us to study right, that He'll show us that He will He will give us His Word. Because you can read these words on a page and they'll be just like reading Huckleberry Finn. They'll be words on a page. But God can allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us through His Word. The last thing I want to mention is if in leading someone to Christ... And encouraging someone after they are led to Christ. And trying to simply be a blessing to someone. There are two things that they teach us in school to never try to do as a teacher. If we're trying to help someone, if we're trying to encourage someone, if we're trying to be a blessing to someone, as a teacher, as a person, as a missionary, as a disciple, as a family member, whatever it may be, if if we're trying to help someone, the first thing that we must avoid is controversy. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't speak out on issues. I'm saying that if we're trying to help someone, if we try to do it argumentative, you argue with me, I'm probably going to shut down and not listen to a word you say, or I'm going to become very, 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 very defensive. And then I'm so solid in my beliefs that if that sky was orange and I told you it was purple, you could not convince me otherwise if you approach me in an argumentative manner. And people, that we try to help in the same way. We should approach them in a, a spiritual and a loving manner. Yes, but. I understand your view, but. Have you ever thought of it this way? But, let's see what the Bible says about it. Well, I understand this is the way you see it. But have you ever considered this? Being argumentative is a very, very, very good way to distance yourself from a person you're potentially trying to be a blessing to. The last thing is allow yourself to be vulnerable allow yourself to be a friend allow yourself to love allow yourself to reach out whatever wall that that we may build between us and the rest of this world because we've been hurt because we've been mistreated because we've been let down in the past that that wall's got to go in order for us to be a Christian in order for us to reach out to others in order for us to try to witness disciple to others we have to put ourselves out there it may hurt it's all for God Oh, we have a verse of a song Would offer a verse of invitation if someone would have something on their heart.